Welcome back to Podcast 43 of 2024. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Oddsbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Oddsbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For a $250 bonus of free bets, please visit Betfred and use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and locations apply if you'd like to support The Oddsbreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theoddsbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patron.com, get the podcast a little early, commercial free. And if nothing else, please visit theoddsbreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. I can't believe it. Only six weeks away from college football week zero. Can't wait, baby. It is around the corner. And you know what else? NFL preseason football is around the corner. NFL preseason football is something that I specialize in. I have plenty of data based upon the coaches and their tendencies. I can't wait to get those articles up for you. And not only that, I think it's time to start bringing back two podcasts a week. My friends, it is time. I've been jonesing for football. It's been itching me since June. It just keeps getting worse and worse, but now it is almost among us. And all of the hard work that I've put in and hopefully you've put in will start to pay off. So can't wait for that. And I also can't wait to get into our wonderful guest today, And our show because Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider is back to break down the SEC, the top conference in football based upon the championships won over the past, what, 20 years or more? (laughs) So can't wait to talk some SEC. I'm also going to talk some UFC on ESPN Looks like Aspinall is fighting Marcin Tybura in England. So that's going to be a wonderful event. I already looked at the main card. Going to talk a little bit about that before Brian comes on. But before all of that, I want to make sure you guys know that our football packages are up for sale. We've already made plenty of season win totals last year in the NFL. I went 6-2-1. and one in season win totals crushed my larger plays college season win totals was a little bit profitable last year hopefully we'll have a big year this year with all the help we're getting from guys like brad powers brian edwards kyle hunter the work i'm putting in hopefully we can combine the powers and come up with some good plays for you over the next few weeks, but especially for our premium subscribers that's already gotten some plays and you podcast listeners that has gotten a a few plays that we have made on this show as well. So in order to get a hundred bucks off all the way till August 1st, use the promo code SUMMERWIN. You can get a hundred bucks off any 
football package or 50 bucks off any monthly membership that we are offering from now all the way through August 1st. That way you're going to get the advantage of getting the plays made early before the public or other sharp players jump on in and decide to potentially move that line away from the play. So would really appreciate the support. And I want to thank all of you premium subscribers out there as of right now for helping us out and keeping us going strong. Also want to announce that today at 1 p.m. Pacific time, Matt Humans is coming on to discuss some NFL. We're going to go over each division and their win totals. Matt's awesome. Can't wait to get him back on. We're also going to talk a little fast food. Matt loves fast food and so do I. We're going to rank our top 10 fast food restaurants. So prepare for a great show. If you want to see it live on our YouTube channel, it will be at Thursday at 1 p.m. Just tune in and subscribe to our YouTube channel to get those notifications. But eventually, we're going to move all of our guests to Wednesdays at 1 p.m. to be consistent so you can log on and chat. Maybe you're at lunch break and maybe you're also doing some work. Would definitely love to hear from you during the football season. All right, enough of that. Without further ado, let's get into a little UFC fight night. Aspinall versus Tybura on July 22nd in London, England. Let's start out right with the main event, Tom Aspinall versus Marcin Tibera. Now, Aspinall, man, this guy's been on a tear until he hurt his leg against Curtis Blades. He actually broke his ankle, I believe, in a kick. I was watching the fight. I was very disappointed because I was on Aspinall that fight. Um, no, it was a knee injury. 15 seconds into the fight, he kicks Blades and breaks his knee. It was just one of those just very, very sorry circumstances right well you know he's finally back this has been about a year since it's happened july 23rd 2022 he's coming back 355 days later on july 22nd 2023 now that should be enough time to heal his knee but um he's fighting a pretty good opponent in marcine tibera but when i say pretty good i don't mean elite tom aspinall was kicking butt and he is the all-around better fighter in my opinion, the Marcin Tibera. They both have two common opponents. Uh, well, first, first of all, Alexander Volkov. Volkov actually uh, beat Marcin Tibera in October of 2021 by unanimous decision. He, he played him up pretty good, but Aspinall pretty much took Volkov down the first round with a minute in and submitted him right away with an R-bar. So, uh, you know, Tom's been beating people quickly. As a matter of fact, he's never been to a third round. So, you know, you're not going to get too much, uh, I, I guess, value looking on the under here. The no to just go to distance is minus 1,000. You know, nobody expects this five-round fight to finish. And that's why fighter with, wins inside the distance. Aspinall's at about minus 450, and he's at minus 325. For the prop of inside the distance, there's absolutely no value there. The problem about coming back with a knee injury is you're not exactly sure how seasoned he's going to be. I'm sure he's been training well. 
the last four months or so, maybe longer. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he could be a little bit rusty. While Marcin Tibera has just been fighting recently, 2023, he uh, beat even off. He beat Alexander Romanov in August of 2022. So he's been on a little bit of a tear. There's a chance that Tom could be a little rusty. But the big problem is it's hard to put your faith in either side. I, what are we going to get from Aspinall? If anything, I would almost bet this does go to round two. You know, I'm not sure if Tibera is going to get stuck so quickly here against Aspinall, uh, being that, you know, Tibera's fought in some wrestlers before, like Ben Rothwell, right? Like Maxim Grishin. So maybe he can get out of those situations a little bit. He hasn't lost by a submission ever. He has lost by KO, but you have to go back to 2019 against Augusto Sakai. He got caught against Augusto. And uh, Derek Lewis, of course, Fabrico Weirdum, Shamil. I I, I just, I think he's going to be a little bit more guarded. But if there's a way I was have to bet this, I would say that fight starts round two is probably the best bet being that Aspinall could be a little bit timid as well coming into the situation but unless it's plus money I will probably be turning the other way being that I'm recording this segment a little bit early I still don't have those odds at DraftKings I think that other offshores don't have that prop instead they actually have fight goes over or under 1.5 rounds, which the over is plus 145. The unders minus 175. So fight starts round two is probably going to be pretty close to even money. So looking forward to seeing those numbers when they actually come out. But that's the only way I lean in this situation. The next fight is going to be a, a bruiser because Molly McCann, kick your ass, is going to be fighting Jujulia Stoliarenko. And I should probably preface this before I get too far here. And maybe I should have prefaced this a little bit earlier. But there is a lot of fighters from England here, many from London itself, right? Um, That's important because people from London have a massive home field advantage or home ring advantage you would say Tom Aspinall is one of those you know so that's something you definitely have to consider in this situation I look at the whole card there's almost a British fighter in every single match here right in every single one and the crowd goes with them aggressively they feel the energy of it McCann certainly feels the energy of it um even though Jujulia is from Lithuania, there's some people from France as well as Poland and some other countries. It's still going to be a massive home ring advantage for the uh, for the British fighters here. So make sure you keep that in mind. I think there's definitely going to be some parlay opportunity just because of that. I also think that the market knows it, but Jujulia, she got beat four out of the last five fights, right? Chelsea Chandler, who just got whipped 
knocked her out. Alexis Davis beat her. Uh, Julia Avilia beat her. It's just Yana Santos beat her. There really isn't any big names that she's finished. Now, before that, she used to put everyone in arm bars, you know, arm bar, arm bar, arm bar. And sadly, Molly McCann, her last fight against Aaron Blanchfield, who's a beast, put her in a Kimura, you know, close to the same thing. So that's a move when you basically just bend the arm kind of backwards. When you have some leverage, you can do it either from your back or you can do it on top. She's good at that, but I have to just assume that McCann, after losing to Blanchfield by Kimura, is going to be a little bit more protective of her arm, right? This is going to be a three-round fight, and McCann can be very, very aggressive. She's a minus-190 favorite, but if you want to bet that this fight goes the distance, the no is minus-180, unfortunately, that puts McCann's numbers that fight wins inside the distance only at plus 120. Still might be a, a decent look at that. But I also think that Molly McCann is not going to lose this fight in her home country. I just think this is going to be a very, very easy parlay piece at the minus 190. She's better than Jujulia. And she's going to have the crowd behind her. And she's going to feed off of it. The question is, how is she going to finish? Well, McCann has six KOs, zero submissions, send seven decisions. But <laughs> wouldn't this be this, the weird fight that all of a sudden she does come up and submit to Julia Stoliarenko? I mean, the price for her by KO is really not that much of a, dis, uh, a difference here. It's at plus 160 by KO. So it's actually a 40 cent dis, dif, uh, difference. That's not too bad. But um, I, th I just think, I just like the parlay piece better than the inside the distance, in my opinion, as long as you can find a good dance partner. Probably can turn some of these fights into plus money, being that we're going to be keying in more on the English fighters. Next fight, we have Andre Feely from the United States. Versus Nathaniel Wood, once again from Britain. Nathaniel Wood is, well, minus 200 favorite. Minus 205, it looks like, in this book. Probably, probably correct. That's that's where I would make it. I would maybe even make it minus 250, to be honest with you. I think there's more than a 66% chance that he wins. It's probably 70, 75% chance that Wood wins. Now, Feely's good, and Feely's the bigger fighter. You would think that, you know... He should have more of the advantages, but you know, strength schedule wise, Nathaniel Wood has fought a lot better fighters than it really feels. You know, I mean, Charles Jordan, Charles Rosa, Casey Kinney lost to. He beat John Castaneda. You know, I thought that that was a good win for him. John Castaneda, Andre Ewell. He's fought some pretty good fighters, and he's been in the UFC for a decent amount of time now. And only at 29 years old, but Andre Feely is a little bit older. He's the taller guy, 33 years old. He's got a reach advantage. He's 5'10", 5'11". Nathaniel Wood is probably 5'6". Yeah, 5'6". This is a featherweight class of 145 pounds. The problem with Feely is he could definitely get into some trouble if he gets grappled around. And Feely felt that against Bryce Mitchell. He's uh, 
had that against Sadiq Youssef, lost to Michael Johnson in a split. He's a very good fighter, but I just think that Nathaniel Wood's a little bit better, and it justifies him being at the minus 200, minus 205. But once again, being that my number is a little bit bigger for Wood, I would consider him in a parlay. Just looking at the straight stats, Wood outclasses him in pretty much almost every single stat here. Let's look at significant strikes. Uh, 6.34 for Wood to 3.83 for Philly. Accuracy, 48% to 37%. You know, they both absorb about the same amount. Their defense is very close to the same. Grappling, Philly's got a little bit more takedowns, 2.38 to 1.81. Their accuracy is a little bit more towards Nathaniel Wood at 54%, takedown accuracy to 49%. But the takedown defense is better for Wood, 73% to 69%. I think if Philly's smart, he keeps the distance in this fight and uses his reach. He actually probably doesn't want to try to wrestle with Nathaniel Wood. He's trying trying to get points here, it, possibly make Wood frustrated and do some stupid something stupid in the ring. That could always happen. I mean, Wood has been knocked out before. As a matter of fact, Wood's been knocked out twice. He's been submitted twice, and he's lost one decision. But Feely being at twenty two and nine, a little bit more of the venerable fighter, I would say, and he was just knocked out very recently in April of 2022. I suppose not that recent, but the fight before his last anyway. I think that Nathaniel Wood is the proper favorite in this. So I would possibly use Nathaniel as another parley pace. Here's an interesting fight here. Andre Munitz from Brazil versus Paul Craig, who is from uh, Scotland. So you got a UK fighter here, pretty close you know, to... London so I mean you, you get to call this probably a home uh, advantage home ring advantage for Paul Craig uh, Muniz coming from Brazil but you know the favorite here is Muniz and Muniz should be the favorite now both of these are wrestlers you know Paul Craig the Bear Jew three KOs 13 submissions zero decisions he's never won by decision if, if he's winning it's because of a submission now these days Paul Craig, I've seen his stand up enough times to make me want to puke, but Munitz, four KOs, 15 submissions, four decisions. He's lost by KO, and he's lost by submission once. Now, what's funny about this is that Munitz is not stupid. You know, he's not stupid. You're going to find some poor pricing on Munitz by decision, but I think if you watched enough Paul Craig fights, you understand what to do, and his corner better understand what to do in this situation as well. What's funny about Paul Craig is that I think it was his fight before his last. I'm just going to try to pull up that opponent. Uh, it was against Vulcan Uzdemir. He kept falling on his back when Vulcan to jump on. Vulcan was like, hell no. <laughs> I mean, it went to decision because of this. Vulcan's like, I got to get an idea. I'm not going to get arm barred. You know, he's not stupid. Vulcan just said, like, get back up. You know, and he, Paul Craig, the ref told him that he had to kept had to get back up before he gets a delay or a point docked on it. And, you know, Vulcan just out volumed him and almost knocked him clear out. So, you know, there's ways of beating Paul Craig, and I'm saving this one for a premium play. The next fight is Jai Herbert versus Fires ZM. And Jai Herbert is actually the dog in this situation, plus 145. ZM is... Minus 170. Looking at some of their history, it 
I'm scratching my head a little bit. I'll tell you this, this Terrence McKinney loss for Zim is not aging well <laughs> after what happened to McKinney. I gave McKinney out as a free play and lost it last week. It wasn't until the main event where I got my money back and made a very small profit. Um, but I, I McKinney has just not been fighting well. And you look at Zim, he's beat some guys, Jamie Malarkey and Luigi Vendramini. But the Malarkey is a really nice win until Malarkey lost in June, <laughs> you know. Um, and Malarkey was a minus 500 favorite when he lost in June here. So this isn't quite aging all that well either, you know. Uh, ZM lost also in 2019 in his first UFC fight um, against Don Maggie. I think this should be an even money fight. And Jai Herbert is not as good as wrestling as ZM, but he's faced wrestlers in the past. Ludwig Klein was ended up being a draw. And as, as you know, Klein is a, a very good wrestler. You know, he was able to draw out with him, which says something, you know. He lost to Ilya Topuria, of course, but, I mean, look how good Topuria is. You know, Jai Herbert has had some very strong fighters. Francisco Trinaldo, he lost to by getting punched out. And Reynardo Carniero, he got submitted by. But he beat Kama Worthy, knocked out Kama Worthy. You know, Kama Worthy is just an okay fighter, but it says something. He's got some knockout in him. And he uh, beat Kyle Nelson as well. Being that Jai Herbert's the British fighter, I think he eats this crowd up. You know, fair ZM. He hasn't done anything really to impress me. He's from France. Might get a few spectators, but not a lot. He's 6'1". His reach isn't as good as Jai's. 75 inches to 77 inches. He wins most of his fights by... Well, it's actually pretty split. 42% KO, 33% submission, 25% decision. While Jai Herbert wins most of his 82% by KO, 9% submission, and uh, 9% decision. His knockdown average, Jai Herbert's, is 0.75. Fares is actually at zero. Significant strikes, very close to even. And um, I would say Fares has got the better defense, but Fares spends more time on the ground. Herbert also can take down but he doesn't as much only 0.25 takedowns for 15 minutes while Ferris has 0.96 so you know just look at the matchup I think that these are just very close fighters I'm going to give a little bit of the striking edge to Jai Herbert and I'm going to give the strength of schedule edge big time to Jai Herbert you know when you find a schedule like Jai Herbert it is okay to kind of lose out on some of these stats I'm going to take Herbert and give this play out for free at home. Plus 145 for 1.5 stars. Well, it's a great day for me to whoop somebody's ass. The last fight on the main card is Leron Murphy versus Joshua Kuibao. And I tell you this, Joshua Kuibao is a funny fighter. You can see him posing with his stump, with his tongue out. Um, He's a good fighter, though. I mean, he's 11-1-1, one, one, while Lerone Murphy is 
0-1. Murphy's minus 150. He's from England. <laughs> Josh Kuibalo is from Australia. And Murphy has just been beating up fools, man. You know, he does have that push, a split draw back in 2019. But I think that since then, he's really done well finishing two out of the four opponents, obviously at a lighter weight, a featherweight, and beating Gabby Santos in that split decision, I think kind of tells me a little bit more. I think Gabby Santos is a really good fighter, and he's kind of up and coming as well. But then I look at Josh Kulibau, and he hasn't really beaten anybody, in my opinion, you know? Say Wu Choi, split decision there. You know, he's lost to Jalen Turner, and that's okay. Jalen Turner's a big boy, kind of like a big spider. But Jalen Turner just lost to Dan Hooker in a split decision, you know? So it's not like he's completely great. These fighters are about the same size, but Leroy Murphy has the striking advantage, 3.58 to 2.96, 48%. Landed significant strikes, 43% for Koulibau. Uh Absorbed per minute, it looks like Koulibau takes a little bit more damage. Now, the wrestling side, it's all Murphy, really. You know, I know Koulibau has a great takedown defense, but when it's 82% and you haven't really had a massive strength schedule here, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to hold that at that high of a standard, in my opinion. You know, Murphy should be able to beat him standing, and Murphy should even beat him definitely on the ground. I think this is a mispriced fight as well. I think Murphy should be a much bigger favorite than minus 150 against Koulibau. So I'm going to, I want to highly recommend Murphy in this situation. Uh, if you want to get cute, you can possibly find Murphy by decision. Uh, I think there's a chance that Koulibau doesn't get knocked out. I mean, Koulibau is going to be fighting very hard. Um, He's only been knocked out once in his career back in 2020 to Jalen Turner. But, you know, if you want to get plus money here, you can probably find, you know, Murphy by by decision where he has seven KOs and five decision in his 12 wins. So I'm going to consider that as well. But I, there's going to be some possible parlay pieces with Murphy if you actually parlay Murphy with the uh, main event here and Tom Aspinall, you're probably going to get even money, maybe a little bit plus. You got minus 450 on one side, you got minus 150 on the other side. So that's my thoughts for our next UFC card. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet me at OBKiev. Tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Now let's get into our wonderful guest, Mr. Brian Edwards from Vegas Insider and Major Wager. Now I'm very excited to welcome back a great capper and big friend of the show. You've heard him many times on sports radio broadcasts and podcasts across the country. You can find some of his work at VegasInsider.com and MajorWager.com. I'm really happy to welcome back Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at VegasBEdwards. College football's round and third. I can't wait, my man. I got the itch, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great, Kiev. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm ready ready to go, man. These weeknights of uh, nothing to watch on television are getting old AF. I know. It's like, 
I'm actually for once having a great baseball season. It's been the, the, oh, the, the two seasons before was really rough on me. So I'm like, uh, I always have to give some of my profit back to baseball, but not this year. I'm really happy that that's coming, but I'm getting bored with it too. You know, it's like uh, you can only get so much baseball and then uh, it's time for some football, baby. So we got preseason around the corner for the NFL and obviously all this wonderful college talk and lots of changes in the college. But it's hot as hell down here now. I think it were, I think we hit 118 degrees yesterday and uh, trying to stay in the AC, my man. I hear that, man. Yeah, we don't we don't get that hot out here over here in Florida. And we get hot as Hades, <laughs> I, but we don't get that damn hot. <laughs> the the humidity is a different a different animal like i'll go i was just in wisconsin it was 85 degrees uh in in the north woods and you're you're sweaty because the humidity but then the and when the flies are on you you're like jesus man it's like when, when they sweat it's almost like they you, they try to find you or something so they there's problems everywhere you can't get away from it you know it's uh sure but, but you just gotta enjoy it and uh, i'm getting through this big remodel so it might be a little noisy during this podcast, but I'm really excited for college football. And there's a big rule change, Brian, I want to ask you about. It. And I've asked a few other people about it, but um, it's all everyone's got interesting takes on it. The play clock. Obviously, the play clock is not stopping anymore after first down until two minutes left in each half. So what are your thoughts on how that's going to impact the Well, probably starting from a totals perspective, but maybe even a game perspective. Yeah, I think it's mostly totals. Now, you know, with bigger spreads, um, you know, it could, it could impact, you know, when you're having like a 20. But I don't really get involved in games that have 28, 35 point spreads. I mean, if I like the chalk in those games, I'll do like a first half or first quarter or something of that nature. Um, but yeah, the totals, I mean, we'll, we'll see how many snaps uh, it's going to, you know, what the average snaps is per game and then how, how it goes the first week or two but I, i'm thinking going it you know i usually don't play a ton of totals in the first week or two of the season anyway so i don't know that it's really impacting me a whole lot week one um it'll just kind of be something that we uh yeah. deal with on a week-to-week basis but I, I mean i'm guessing you know we probably need to take a couple of points off or or, or lower our totals by you know couple points probably i would assume and the market's going to know that the market's already going to shift i'm curious if it doesn't over uh obviously an overestimate on how much time is going to affect when the first down's not stopping so you know you wonder I, i'm kind of looking at it like this i think the middle of the road teams probably are going to stay you know a couple points down but i think the faster teams might even try to play a little faster because that was the way they did things and maybe they want to try to get that advantage and i think the slower teams are even going to play slower because that's what they like to sure. do and i also think this is a big hit for passing teams interestingly enough in college football because if you look at it a running team that's got a lead of four points three points whatever coming into mid fourth quarter I mean, they're really going to dog that clock. And, you know, when the clock's not stopping on their first downs and the play clock's not, you know, it, the play clock's going to obviously keep running, but they're going to have to, they're going to wait all the way down to the last second, even on those downs as well. So it, it's just real interesting. I think that the end of the games, it might favor the rushing team. So I'm going to think a little bit more about that, Brian, but uh, uh, I, I'm thinking passing teams might take a little hit from it. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, again, I, I don't uh, play a lot of totals early in the year. And um, so 
yeah, I just just kind of I'm gonna have to, you know, you know, measure how many you know snaps a game certain teams were getting on average last year, and then you know how many less they're getting because of this rule change uh, as we get into September a little bit. Yeah, me too. It's it's fun to talk about, but until we actually see it, uh, it it's hard to quantify anything yet because we're going from one system to another and it's a different league it's not nfl you can't compare it to the nfl so uh, me i'm gonna be tread carefully let's just say from the get-go what teams do you think other than the usual suspects georgia bama ohio state clemson and i guess you could throw michigan in there they made the playoffs the last two years what other teams besides those five have a shot at making the playoffs this year uh lsu would be the first one uh, that comes to mind. I, I think they're going to win the West. Uh, I made a play on them at 16 to one to win the CFP, but that number's long gone. I, I even saw like I think FanDuel was all the way down to 10 to one uh, a couple of days ago. So I, I mean, shop around as always. But um, you know, and look, I, I I wouldn't play LSU unless you can get like probably like 14 to one. But um, uh, so I think LSU is going to be a factor now. You know, on paper, I think you you could say Texas, but I I can't even go over nine and a half on Texas because they haven't won ten games in the regular se- regular season since two thousand nine. But I think on paper, you you could say Texas. I mean, they're probably only going to be an underdog uh, at Alabama. Um, so, but yeah, but uh, besides uh, Texas, uh, LSU. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how Joe Milton plays. Uh, maybe Tennessee uh, can be a factor. Um, USC is another it, name people are throwing around too. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, I know they've done a great job in the portal. I just don't. Uh, their defense was so awful last year, and that was with all the good fortune they were getting and being, you know. Uh, so plus in the turnover margin, they were plus, I forget, uh, it's in my magazine here, like 22 or something at the end of the year. Even with that, their defense was horrible last year. Now they have addressed, they've gotten a lot of great talent on both sides of the ball out of the portal. So we'll see on them. And, and just quick note on the Pac-12, which has been so down in the last you know decade or so. The Pac-12 has got outstanding quarterback play this year. I think the Pac-12 is actually going to be a pretty solid um, league this year. So I just quickly, I mean, uh, Washington is maybe a team to watch. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you know, I, I they could win the Pac-12 mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, maybe even Utah. Um, but I think they were getting that hype this time last year, and it got derailed there pretty early. Um, we'll see on the Penn State quarterback. I like their roster. Um, I have, you know, I, I've heard differing opinions on the quarterback, who I have not really seen play or not enough, other than you know a few highlight clips or whatever. So uh, we'll see. But it's it's the usual suspects. I mean, uh, FSU is getting all the offseason love, and my chafe ass Seminole friends are all talking about gearing up for a natty run, and I'm. Uh, you know, I, they're not a, a natty contender in my <laughs> mind. Maybe maybe Clemson is. They were de- a disappointment to me defensively yeah. last year. Um, so, and we'll see how Klubnik does this year at QB. I think you meant Drew, Drew Aller from Penn State. Yes. Um, yes. So, you, I, I noticed you didn't mention Florida State, Brian. And uh, <laughs> a lot of Well, I did, I did mention them that I wasn't mentioning them. <laughs> That's what I meant. You know, 
I don't know. It's hard to believe in Florida State. It's hard to believe in Penn State right now. They just kind of seem to not get over the hump yet. Um, I, th- I it's going to be so interesting, and I love. And I'm glad you brought up the Pac-12 because that's another very interesting conference that I can't wait to get into. I think the Big Ten is a little boring this year because you have Ohio State, who's always Ohio State, and you have Michigan returning a ton of production. It's like it, it's really hard to like me, for me to go off those two teams when there's so much change throughout the rest of the Big Ten and all these new coaches. It's one of the craziest years that I've seen. I, I don't sure. know that. I don't know that your I don't think your alma mater will be a a, a CFP contender, but I, I do think with your alma mater the badges are going to be pretty damn good. <laughs> and and just what a what a coup of a hire, man, with Luke Fickle, yeah. just great great hire. I'm going to give it some time and pump the brakes a little bit too. Um, I I just think the Phil Longo thing is a, an offense that's going to take some skill at the wide receiver positions and a complete different learning curve here it's a massive change and i, I i'm gonna like mike leach going to the navy or, or army <laughs> yeah right it's something like that crazy it's that sort crazy. of not maybe not that radical of a change <laughs> but sort of no <laughs> i agree uh, it's uh it's gonna be great to watch and i i agree with you i think you know you gotta throw texas in maybe florida state clemson uh is i mentioned clemson in this so i, I can't use them they're one of the usual suspects to me but yeah uh, USC would definitely have to improve their defense, and I'm really excited to get into the Pac-12. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of th- different things where you can scoop one scoop of powder into water once a day? Every scoop's packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, healthier-looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on the podcast episode description. Let's get into the SEC then, man. And let's start with the West here. Uh, Alabama, I'm just going to go by kind of where they ranked last year from top to bottom. We got to start with Alabama. Uh, a couple things about Bama, obviously new quarterback. I like to average the three-year recruiting classes of two of, uh, not this year because it's maybe not for Bama, but for most teams, it's rare for a 2023 recruit to start right away. But, uh, 1.66, they have the best recruiting class. Uh, I had them power ranked last year at about 24.25 points better than the average team. I actually moved them up to 27, uh, this year. Returning production is not ranked high, but it never is at Bama. 125th. Returning offense, 43%. Returning defense, 78%. And this is all from Bill Connolly stuff. Transfer portal rankings is only 50th. But, you know, they're only going to take what they need. Net yards per play was massive last year, 3.08 net yards per play. They had the strongest strength of schedule last year. This year, according to Brad Power's power ratings, He's their number four. I like to use power ratings for strength of schedule, and their win total is ten point five. What are your thoughts on the Bama Crimson Tide? All right, so they lost their top five tacklers and seven of their top eight tacklers. They lost their quarterback. They lost their best running back. They, you know, you can spin it one way, like Saban did, that they lost two plays on the last play of the game, or you can spin it this way that Texas A&M had first and goal twice in the last, you know, four, four and a half minutes of that game and only got three points and lost by four. And that was when A&M was uh, really struggling. You could also spin it that Texas missed a chip shot field goal before first, uh, 
the end of the first half, like a 19, 20 yarder. Uh, Ewers was playing uh, great that game. He got hurt late first, early second quarter. Um, and then they were trailing a good chunk of the game at Ole Miss. So, um, you know, you, you can spin it the way Saban spins it, or you can spin it like, I mean, they were like this close to having a what what would have been a sky is falling disastrous type of year uh, in Tuscaloosa, at least um, for the standards that Saban uh, has set. So, um, man, I, I just am not as high on Alabama as I normally am. I, I've got them marked uh, eight and zero with four swing games. The swing games being at Texas A and M, where they're an eight and a half point favorite in the games of the year. Uh, Tennessee at home, where they're a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, LSU at home where they're a seven point favorite and at Auburn, uh, because even the year, um, Bryce Young won the Heisman and Harson's first year in Auburn was horrible. Uh, Auburn had no business winning that game. So I just don't think you can ever just automatically, uh, pencil in a W for Alabama when they have to go, uh, to Jordan Hare. So look, the quarterback play, uh, I, I, it's just a huge question mark for me. So I, as I'm sounding pessimistic about Alabama, um, that's just like compared to what I, where I normally am with them, you know, in July, August going into a season, um, because I question whether, you know, Tyler Buckner is the answer, uh, at quarterback. I mean, last memory we have of him is three interceptions and two pick sixes against South Carolina at the Gator bowl. The last memory of Milrow was struggling to throw the ball against AM. and uh, you know, in that game, he started, uh, Ty Simpson, my Alabama friends tell me he's got great talent. He'll, he'll be the guy at some point, but, um, you know. It's they, not Jalen Milrow? He's not starting? It's going to be Buckner? Well, no, no. I, it's going to be a competition. Yeah, yeah, because I have all three of those guys, and I think Milrow will be the short leash guy. I think Buckner is going to be the kind of op, the guy that uh, – I think they're going to have gadget plays for Buckner, the way I look at it, and and you're right. Uh, I heard some good things about Ty Simpson. I think I agree with you completely. Yeah, so we'll see on the QBs. So, like I said, I, I'm sounding pessimistic, but if one of those quarterbacks plays great in the first two weeks of the season, I will completely flip that opinion. But right now, I'm saying there seems to be a possibility that Alabama might could lose more than two games this year, and I am picking LSU uh, to win the West, even though they do have to go to Tuscaloosa. Well, Tommy Reese is probably going to take you know the playbook from Saban and work his best magic with it. But coming from Notre Dame, that's the reason for the Buckner transfer, in my opinion. And sure. uh, maybe Buckner just doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't have really high aspirations unless he really th- feels like he's going to show something at Alabama when he's kind of coming in at the last guy. I-, I mean, I wrote schedules nice that they get LSU, Arkansas, and Tennessee at home, but you're yeah. and, there, and there's no Georgia, right? So, so I, you know, they're – they have to go to AM, like you said. They have to go to, I think they have to go to Mississippi State, but um, they do. It's going to be, yeah. It, it, and I agree with you. I, I'm not sure about Tommy Reese, but Bill O'Brien, I was low on too. And he, the offense kind of didn't lose a beat last year with Bryce Young at quarterback. I mean, if they have a bad year with a quarterback, that could be disaster for Alabama. So, yeah, I mean, 10.5. I, I, I put no lean on that. Um, I, 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 went, I, I think that's a good number personally for Bama this year. Yeah, the win total is a pass for me. Um, I, I'm not – I, I got to see their quarterbacks, whether they're playing good, whether they're playing piss poor, and uh, and then I'll go from there on my evaluation of them. I'm just – for conversation purposes, I'm saying I'm not nearly as high on them as normal. And, um, 
it could be what they would consider a, a, a disaster season in Alabama. I mean, if they go nine and three, the sky's falling. So um, <laughs> we'll see. I I, have to, I should apologize to LSU because they're actually ranked in the standings above Bama, being that they beat Bama in that crazy overtime game last year. So uh, LSU coming in, I actually had their power rating 16 points better than the average team last year, which was, you know, top 10. But I, I, I I'm upgraded them this year. I upgraded them to 19.5. Their recruiting's been great as usual, 6.33. They averaged three years, 32 ranking and returning production, 81% returning offense, 60% returning defense. Their transfer portal rankings was number one. You know, they killed it in the transfers. Their yards per play was massive at uh, net yards per play, 2.78, I wrote. I'm like, is that a typo? Uh, their strength of schedule was difficult last year, ranking fourth, but this year it only ranks 63rd. So that's better. Uh, winning total is only 9.5. My number, to be honest with you, Brian, I have 10.5 in them. I think they can get to 10 wins, maybe even 11 if things go really well. I think they, they have great returning production and consistency with the team. All five offensive linemen are back. Um, I love how Jaden Daniels looked poised last year. He looks like a leader almost. And uh, Kelly, say what you want about him, but he, Brian Kelly always gets his teams to the playoffs, it seems, especially with Notre Dame. Now, the question is that Florida State game, obviously they became the favorite. It flipped. That says something. I wonder if this win total adjusts much after the Florida State game. Say they lose it, maybe you bet take the over. If they win it and it doesn't adjust, then you hit the over. But the no Georgia is huge. The biggest question mark is always on defense where hopefully the transfers will gel. But what are your, what are your thoughts with them and new uh, defensive coordinator Matt House? I love this uh, team. Look, I mean, LSU won national titles with two buffoons as head coaches. <laughs> now they got, now they've got a coach you can coach as good as anybody out there. And um, yeah, like you said, they hit the portal great. Uh, Fourteen transfers, eight of them four stars. I love them getting Omar uh, Spates, who started thirty-nine career games at Oregon State, who had a really uh, solid defense last year. <clears throat> Excuse me, he was their leading tackler. Has three hundred and eight. Uh, career uh, tackles. I think Harold Perkins is an absolute superstar. Uh, Daniels, 17-3 TDI&T ratio uh, last year. Uh, other than that one bad season he had at ASU, he's just been fantastic his whole career. And look, when you're taking a win total, and I, I'm on over uh, 9.5 for LSU, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're taking a win total over, you know, you, you got to – Part of the handicap has to be that what if your quarterback goes down uh, with an injury? Because uh, that happened to me with Jake Hayner last year. I mean, Fresno, I was on their over. They win the doggone Mountain West, but I don't get hit my over because he gets injured and is out five games. Dracovic the year before for Boston College. But I like how Nussmeyer uh, looked last year, um, especially in the second half against Georgia. Now, you know, some may say Georgia let down a little bit defensively. Uh, with that big lead at halftime, and you know maybe that is the case, but um, Nussmeyer was slinging it around the yard and looked really good, and had me thinking I was going to get a, a miracle backdoor cover there for a while, um, and I almost did. They at their they've got all their top running backs returning, and they add uh, Logan Diggs. Uh, from Notre Dame, Malik Neighbors at receiver is an All-American candidate. Mason Taylor, the tight end, he's an All-American 
candidate. Um, and like I said, um, absolutely loved Harold Perkins. I think he might be the best player in all of college football. And uh, I think LSU's poised for a monster season. I marked them 9-0 and with three swing games initially, but uh, I changed it to a win at Mississippi State in week three where they're a nine-point favorite. Uh, the other swing game I've also changed to a win, and that's at Ole Miss where they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And the other swing game is at, at Bama where they're a seven-point underdog. I think that's a very winnable game. But if they win all their other conference games and don't win that one, you know, if Alabama slips up twice – they could still get to Atlanta. So um, I'm picking LSU to win the West, but I don't know that plus 200 really offers the value to play it. I mean, they might be plus 200 on the money line at Bama anyway. So right. uh, they I, would be. They would know, be at seven. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm just um, I'm playing them over nine and a half. I've already hammered them against FSU. I did get a little bit of money line, minus 130, but most of my money is at two. But I'm not against it as long as you can get three or fewer. Um, or I, I actually still like it. I mean, I'm glad I'm in at two, and, and I've got a little bit of the money line at minus 130. Um, but, yeah, so LSU over nine and a half. Like them against the semis, and I think they win the West. I like how they have alternate win totals, too, out there. Yeah. And, uh I'm going to see what Ellis uses, uh, 10.5 plus 265. So if they can just, you know, get to 11 wins, that would be a nice payout. But it, you, it's the Alabama one that, you know, that worries me the most here. But I, I, that might be a little bit of a sprinkle if you like it over nine and a half. I think you talked me into it. I, I, I was had a strong lean to this over. I love what this team's doing. I think Alabama could take a step back now that they have a new quarterback here. I like the consistency with LSU. Nor Georgia, like you said. I think you talked me into it, Brian. Let's take that over nine and a half, my man, and roll all over it. with it. Let's go to Mississippi State. Why don't you start out on this one? Yeah, so, well, Mississippi State's obviously I'm one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the country. And Will Rogers, um, you know, Arnett's going to go to an offense where they run the ball more. Um, we'll see how that goes. I, I don't know that I would get away from what they've been doing with Rogers the last three years too, too much. I mean, I know you eventually want, you know, to do it a little differently than Leach offensively. But uh, with year one, you know, and, and Rogers coming back for a fourth season, I, I wouldn't stray too far uh, from what you've been uh, doing. He's already the all-time leading uh, passer in, in Mississippi State history by uh, by all, more than 1,300 yards over Dak uh, with 10,689. Um, uh, he did lose his best receiver, Ra-Ra Thomas, to Georgia, but uh, he's got four of his top six uh, pass catchers back, all of who had uh, 30 catches or more. So I initially marked uh, Mississippi State uh, four and two with six swing games. Uh, then I made it uh, – I, I went over the swing games, and then I made it five and five uh, with two swing games, the swing games being uh, the season finale, uh, Ole Miss at home, and the other one being at Auburn, which is a bit of a tough spot because they're at Arkansas the week before, so they got to travel – uh, back-to-back weeks with the win total at six and a half. Um, I think they probably go six and six or seven and five. I think it's a good number. So it's a pass uh, for me. And, and there's still a lot of questions. I mean, I like Zach Arnett as a defensive coordinator. Um, we'll see as a head coach. That's just something we got to 
take uh, as it comes and, and before I have any sort of strong evaluation of it. Gotcha. No, good stuff. Yeah, this seems like a pretty low win total here at six and a half. Uh, it's plus 130 to the over. And obviously the Mike Leach news is probably the biggest thing. I mean, if Mike Leach was around, this would be seven, seven and a half in my opinion. Um, I like Mississippi State. I upgraded them a little bit. My power ratings, their three-year recruiting average was 27th. Uh, well, not 27th standing, but the, it's just 27 on the average. 91 only returning production, 51% on offense, 43%. On defense, transfer portal rankings, 43rd, positive .35 net yards per play. 12th was their strength of schedule last year, 15th this year. So they always have a hard schedule, but that low win total. You know, here's what I wrote. I wrote really rough with Mike Leach, of course, but there's continuity with Zach Arnett getting promoted, you know, and uh, uh, Kevin Barbe was uh, pried away from Appalachian State. I thought he did a great job at OC over there. Uh, this team's going to instill the run a little bit more and probably transition a little bit away from the air raid, but that, that could be a good thing, in my opinion, especially with the clock uh, stopping now uh, on for or not stopping on first downs. Great returning production with the offense, though. Will Rogers, four offensive linemen, like you said. Um, if this is a good transition to Kevin Barbe's system, I think they can get to seven wins. You know, uh, you're looking at their schedule. I don't see Georgia. You know, this is kind of what I gauge a lot of stuff. It's like, does Georgia keep Georgia away from there? But you know, another big team I don't see on their schedule. I don't see Tennessee on their schedule. You know, so I'm not so scared for uh, Mississippi State uh, this year when those big names are not on there. Heck, I don't even see Florida. Florida has a great year. So um, pretty optimistic with them. Southeast Louisiana, Arizona is so, and Western Michigan, easy non-conference right there. Southern Miss. Now I'm taking the over. I, I think they easily get the seven wins, my man. Yeah, I had their over last year, uh, and it was <clears throat> excuse me, it was a winner. Um, I, I just can't quite get there this year. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I don't. Not against your play by any means. Um, I just. Uh, mm -hmm. They got a lot of coin flip games. I mean, sure. are they going to win at South Carolina? Are they going to win at Arkansas? Are they going to win at Auburn? I mean, those are all coin flip games to me. Ole Miss and Kentucky at home. Who knows? LSU at home. I, I don't think they win that one. So, um, yeah. I, but I mean, they could. I mean, they could. I mean, the only game. That's really, I wouldn't even say any of their games are not winnable. I mean, Alabama and LSU are at home, uh, so I don't really see any game that is not winnable. But there's a lot of losable ones as well. So, and, and with a new coach and and not being familiar with how he, you know, his in-game uh, stuff, etc., I'm just going to stay away. Let's move on to Ole Miss then, right in-state rivalry with Mississippi State. Uh, what are your thoughts on this team coming in and uh you have to wonder if jackson dart is going to stay the man above spencer sanders yeah that's it's a a good question uh, i thought dart was pretty good last year i mean he ran for 614 yards 741 before subtracting sack yardage almost threw for 3000 20 to 11 tdi and t ratio but sanders you know he started 41 games he's thrown for nearly 10,000 uh, yards he is a hell of a runner and the way that kiffin likes to run the ball a lot i i think if sanders's shoulder is okay and you know 
Oklahoma State was having a great season last year until his shoulder problems uh, popped up. Their only loss was that multiple, I think it was either two or three, I think it was double overtime game uh, at TCU, the same time the Alabama and Tennessee were playing that barn burner. Um, and so it kind of got overlooked, but Oklahoma State was undefeated going into that game, and they bounced back and they won against Texas the next week, and that's when his shoulder really uh, started bugging him, and then Oklahoma State season went downhill. So um, Ole Miss has got one of the best running backs in the country, Quinchon uh, Judkins. He's preseason first-team All-American with uh, most publications. Zakari Franklin was a great get in the transfer portal. He's the all-time leading uh, receiver at UTSA by more than 800 yards with another year to play. Obviously not not there, but they, you know, Kiffin did a great job in the portal. Uh, once again, he got a ton of studs, 20 transfers. Eight of them are four-star uh, guys. Um, now, they lost a good bit uh, of, of, of defense, but um, they've also replaced it uh, with a lot of studs. Um, they're, look, Phil Steele's national unit rankings have their quarterback number nine, which I think is underrated. I think their QB room might be the best in the country. Uh, their running back seventh, it's their wide receivers 19th, their O-line sixth, their linebackers 23rd. So Phil Steele's national unit rankings are, are really high on Ole Miss. And again, like I mentioned earlier, when you play a, a season win total over, it's nice to have that security of knowing you got more than one quarterback that you can win games with. I mean, look, they, they could have easily beaten Alabama last year. They had the lead a good chunk of that game. They certainly could have won the Egg Bowl uh, as well. So, I mean, and they started 7-0 and or 8-1, and they were 8-1, and one, you know, going into November. And I had their over last year, and it cashed with three regular season games um, remaining. So, you look at their schedule. I think they win the first three, although, although it's not going to be a layup at Tulane. Michael mm -hmm. Pratt and Willie Fritz will be ready yeah. to go. But I still think they win those three. I think they lose at Bama. Uh, they can win the Arkansas game, but I think they lose that one. I've, or I'm sorry, the LSU game. Uh, and then I do have them beating uh, Arkansas. So that gets them to four and two. And then at Auburn and Vandy at home. I think they win both of those, but they could certainly lose at Auburn. Uh, Auburn has had their way in that rivalry uh, lately, but Ole Miss gets two weeks to prepare for that one. And they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against a and I think they get that one. They lose at Georgia. They beat ULM. I think they'll be eight and three going into the Egg Bowl, and I think we will have already cashed over seven and a half. So Ole Miss over seven and a half, just like I'm on an LSU over nine and a half. I'm more like 7.75 wins, so I'm really close to what it is. And I did upgrade them from 8.5 to 11.5, a nudge under Mississippi State, basically because of the fact that they – did so well in the transfer portal. Their transfer portal rankings were six. They had a nice positive 0.5 net yards per play, very hard in the SEC West, obviously. Um, they also get, you know, wide receiver Chris Marshall and Trey Harris. Trey Harris was all-conference USA, which is nice. Lots of experience on the offense. The defense was improved. And uh, I, I have them returning, what, eight starters on, on defense? Is that right? Um no, 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 not eight. Phil Seals got Phil Seals got him with seven, but um, okay. I think it's I think some close some, enough. Yeah, I think some of those guys just were rotational guys. So 
Um, maybe this was more like seven ish, six point five. But uh, I I, th- I could see them going over. Lane Kiffin's a great offensive mind. Um, I just I, I that Egg Bowl is probably going to say, hey, which one's going over the win total at the end here? What I don't like Jimmy. about Ole Miss is what you said about Tulane. That is a I think they'll be up for that game. They're, it's not like Tulane's going to take anyone from surprise. They're they're going in like they could lose that game. So I do see a, a massive effort at Tulane. Tulane lost a lot of guys too, but that is a tricky game. And I don't, I don't know how your southern geography is. There'll be a lot of Ole Miss fans at that game. Uh, yeah. You know how the state of Mississippi is only like 45 minutes from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of Ole Miss alums live in New Orleans. So uh, it, it, they'll have a lot of fans at Mullen Point. I, that, that's that's a great point, actually. So good call on that. Uh, yeah, no, so um, I, I'm very close to their win total, a little bit over. So I, I'd have to have some agreement with you on that one. And, uh, you know, Lane's... Lane's proven that he's matured a lot, and he seems like a good coach. Let's move on to the next team. I have Arkansas. You know, last year only three and five in the conference. Huge disappointment with them, KJ Jefferson, last year. What are your thoughts on the Hogs? So, they were still really close to having a huge year last year. They lost four games by nine combined points. They lost two games when Jefferson was out injured. They would have beaten LSU if Jefferson had been healthy. That was their best defensive effort of the year as they uh, lost 13 uh, to 10. Um, you know, they never should have lost the A&M game. They had that control of that game, the 13-point swing uh, on the fumble by KJ on first and goal. I mean – KJ's better than that. He, he just can't do that. And then then they still win if they're playing at a college stadium, but the goalposts are five feet higher, and the, the <laughs> potential game-winning field goal hit the top of the goalpost at Jerry World. And, um, and, and you know, should not – you know, could have, could have, would have, should have beaten Liberty, and that's probably what got Hugh Freeze the Auburn job. But, look, I think they're poised for a big-time bounce-back season – I, I really like their uh, win total to go over uh, six and a half. I think the combination of KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, that one-two wider or uh, running back QB combo, uh, might be the best in the country. I love, love how they retooled the defense, not just in the portal, but with veteran guys that played a ton of football in the portal. They get Trajan Jeffcoat, um, twenty-nine career starts. At Missouri, they get Antonio Greer, um, 27 career starts at USF, 238 career tackles. They get Al Walcott, uh, 20 career starts in Baylor secondary. LaRondo Johnson, 13 career starts for Dave Aranda's uh, secondary um, at Baylor. They also add more uh, D-line depth with uh, John Morgan from uh, Pittsburgh, uh, 14 uh, career sacks. They get Kiwi Rose at D tackle, uh, 32 career starts at La Tech. They've got one of the best uh, centers in the country in Bo Limmer. They've got one of the best cover corners in the country in Dwight McGlothern. And um, I, I'm a little worried about their wide receiver position, but they did add a four-star transfer from Bowling Green and Tyrone Broden. And they got two D2 guys that are both six foot four. Granted, it was at the FCS level, but um, they have high hopes for both of those guys. And they got a first-team All-Conference USA uh, tied in from North Texas, and two of their top three recruits in their 2023 class were tied in. So um, 
I think they're going to be fine offensively. Uh, KJ and Rocket uh, will take care of that. You know, Pittman's O-line, uh, although Phil Steele's national unit rankings only have their O-line 40th, you know Pittman's uh, the best one of, if not the best O-line coach in the country. And, um, you know, they'll they'll exceed expectations with the way they play on the O-line. And again, they could have been a lot, lot better last year if they get a bounce or two. I mean, if the A&M game goes their way, they're 4-0 going into the Bama game. And then at Mississippi State, K.J. was out. The LSU game at home, K.J. was out. And they should have won that one. Never should have lost at Missouri. I mean, it was close to a big season. I think this year uh, they're going to win eight or nine. I love – I probably like it even more. Well, actually, I like the LSU and Ole Miss overs uh, substantially as well. But this one might be my favorite out of those three. All right. Yeah, my number is actually slightly under, but – I, I, I mean, this team was negative .09 net yards per play. So, yeah, they had some close possibilities. I, I don't know if that LSU game is more about LSU just being terrible or their defense finally showing up. I mean, I'm not worried about the offense, Brian. Uh, you know, their offense should be great. And, yeah, Rocket Sanders is a fantastic running back, maybe one of the better ones, maybe one of the best ones, you know, coming into this year. But the defense ranking 124th in opponent passing yards per attempt, 99th in opponent rush yards per attempt. I'm worried about that. Um, it, it looks like Kendall Bryles leaves for TCU. Dan Emos comes back uh, as OC uh, to work with KJ Jefferson. So um, Travis Williams. I like Enos. I like Enos. I thought Travis Williams also did a decent job as DC from UCF, but um, it's a wait and see for me here. I'm very close to the win total, so I totally get uh, you know some of the I mean, the transfer portal rankings are 11, so I definitely get what you're saying uh, as far as potential. Auburn, my man, and I'll start with Auburn if you don't mind, sir. Go ahead. I don't like him. <laughs> yeah, not this year. I like I like the hire. You know, I really like the hire of Auburn, and I'm just looking for him right now. Uh, I think that it's still too early for them. My powering on them is only five. They recruited well, of course, because they always have. It's getting worse a little bit over the years. But um, returning production is only 29th, or it's 29th, but it looks a little bit worse because they lost a lot of starters. They're getting a bunch of rotational guys back. And their transfer portal rankings are very good. Their net yards per play was barely positive at .18. Um, I just think that their strength of schedule still is very hard in the West. I think that the new coach it was a great hire, but it's going to take time. I wrote that um, they were 125th in pass EPA last year. They could not pass the ball at all. And Robbie Ashford's back. You know, it's like, is he starting? Um, I, 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 it's from what I hear he is. Well, no, I mean, that's not decided. Uh, we'll see how Peyton Thorne does in the spring. You know, they got the Sparty uh, transfer. It was after spring practice, though, right? I, I didn't like I Thorne last year. He did a great first year, but... Right, no, I agree with that, but everything went to shit for Sparty last year. I mean, he was solid <laughs> in 21. I mean, he just... He, he went he went down last year just like the rest of the organization, including the head coach, but um, I, I, Thorne, Thorne won me some money a couple years ago. But I didn't, I didn't really bet Sparty games last year. Right, right. Um, the defense regressed to 73rd in EPA. Philip Montgomery comes in as offensive coordinator from Tulsa, and I'm guessing he's going to do some RPO stuff. Um, I, I think that's kind of Hughes Freeze's thing as well, right? It, or, or possibly some read options. But 
I know that, you know, Montgomery didn't have a ton of success in Tulsa. He had one really good year or so, one or two. There were more basically defensive guys when in Tulsa when they were successful. Ron Roberts comes in from Dave Aranda at Baylor, so that could be a good hire. I really like Dave Aranda's system. But um, I like the future of this team. I don't like the present. So I'm going to go under. I'm going under the 6.5 wins. Yeah, I don't blame you. I've got a lot of questions about this team. Uh, I'm not as down on Ashford as many people are. I know he, he can be very inaccurate at times, but he makes a lot of plays with his legs. And I thought he was playing a lot better there um, uh, late in the season when, you know, when Cadillac took over. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not – I'm not trying to talk you off uh, the under. I've got them three and five with four swing games. Um, the swing games being at Cal, which is a very losable football game. I've got them actually winning that. I, you know, once I I made them the four swing games, but then I uh, went deeper. In, and so I have them winning at Cal, but they could lose that game. Uh, the other swing games are back-to-back home games uh, to Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home. Um you know, that could be 2-0, and oh, that could be a split, that could be 0-2, oh you know, we'll find out, and look, maybe, maybe at Vandy could be tough, I think they're going to lose at Arkansas, um, I think they probably win at Vandy, and I think they go either 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five. I, I think they go 7-5 and five if they sweep uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State at home in back-to-back weeks, but like I noted with the Rebels, um, the Rebels have two weeks to prepare for Auburn, whereas Auburn uh, plays at LSU the week before. All right. No, yeah, I'm glad there's some agreement there. I, I just, I think Hugh Freeze is going to be good. It's just, it's just not time yet, and he's really jumping into a massive, maybe the hardest uh, conference over the last, well, definitely the hardest division and conference over the last 10 to 20 years here with Bama there and LSU in the sec west so let's move on i'll put texas a&m on hold for now we for the sake of time georgia i I gotta say brian it must be a little bit frustrating being a gator fan and seeing georgia win a couple national championships and uh uh sorry to uh obviously twist the dagger on you a little bit there but oh i mean you're high on them right i mean what, what you're i hear there might be a future bet involved in this team uh, yeah, there is. There is. Uh, well, welcome to college football, Georgia. I mean, you've been absolutely in, insignificant for 40 years. So welcome to the party, pals. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to be fantastic. Uh, you know, their their schedule is, is such garbage. Now, in fairness, they were going to play Oklahoma this year. But when Oklahoma joined the SEC, um, for whatever reasons, they, they scratched that. So um, look, man, I think they probably win their first 10 games by double digit mark margins uh but going into tennessee that's the tricky game against the vols now look if they pull a no-show like they did against missouri last year uh and auburn's you know auburn has a good night you know you never know what will happen at jordan Hare. so maybe that could be a potential uh trap game but um you know i i i think they're um i i think that they um are 10-0 going into Knoxville, but that's going to be a tough one against the Vols. But they are favored by eight there. So the way that I want to bet Georgia is uh, I bet Carson Beck to win the Heisman at 25-1 to 1 odds. Now, that I don't think you can get that number anymore. I think it's more like 18-1 to 1 or 20-1. to 1. But um, 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Georgia's going to be number one. It's going to go into Tennessee undefeated. And if you're sitting on a 25-1 to ticket with their starting quarterback, that's not a bad place to be. So that's the only way I'm betting them preseason. <laughs> their schedule's so dang easy, man. Yep. <laughs> no LSU, no Bama. Uh, I mean, their their non conference is laughable. I, the I mean, the the only question I have is not even really the Carson Beck transition from Stetson Bennett. You know, it's more the 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 Todd Munkin to Mike Bobo. I, I, I'm guessing Bobo learned something here, but I think Munkin was way more valuable than I even realized to Kirby Smart. And if, if, if that's something to think about, that's the only thing to think about because there's nothing bad to say about this team. They got the best tight end in history in Brock Bauer. Oh, whoa, time out. You ever heard of a guy named Kyle Pitts? Oh, Kyle. easy. Did, did Kyle Pitts easy. even play a full? All right, all right, all right, all right. Kyle Pitts did benefit from uh, a terrible wide receiver crew, but <laughs> actually Tony was okay. But all right. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Brock Bowers. I'll take over uh, pits right now all day. Um, but <laughs> all day. <laughs> hey, I like, I like pits. I mean, I don't, I think he was overdrafted for the position and uh, it's okay to have a little no, disagreement. No, it's criminal how Arthur Smith underuses him. Uh, <laughs> So that's I, I love how it, you went from your favorite college football team to your favorite NFL team. What a beautiful transition that was from a man, Brian Edwards. But it's a disgustingly easy schedule. I think there's nothing else to say. It should be 11.5 all day, this win total. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee is so interesting to me. Uh, I think that Joe Milton really blew me up. And I was an idiot that bet Vanderbilt to cover. And... Holy cow, did they get their doors blown? I just thought it was a bad spot because the South Carolina loss, I thought, kind of pulled their hopes and dreams of being a college football playoff. But instead, they just came in and kicked butt, you know. So that I, I got smoked on that one. And I was kind of high on Vandy last year. I'm a little high on him this year. But Hendon Hooker, uh, it, he's gone. Jalen Hyatt's gone. Joe Milton, I've seen him bad before in previous lives, right? I. I it, was it just was it more of a fluke here, kind of after Hooker got hurt, or is just Josh Heupel's system that quarterback friendly? Maybe Milton really did take a step forward here, but Tennessee ranked in eleventh in stopping the run last year, so I couldn't believe that their defense really took a big step forward. If they get a good pass rush, they could maybe be a contender again. I think getting Georgia at home is huge. I think this is going to be a fun team to watch, man. Uh, rough schedule with Bama on it as well, though. Yeah, I think Tennessee's going to be uh, really good. I think Joe Milton, like, you know, certainly he was a young, raw quarterback when we saw him playing uh, at Michigan and then early in the 21 season. Um, but look, I mean, it was obviously a small sample size, but he threw 10 touchdown passes without an interception. You know, you've never, excuse me, you've never questioned his athleticism, his arm strength, his size, his speed, et cetera. I mean, he's, he has all that, like Anthony Richardson and maybe an inch taller and maybe five to 10 more pounds of muscle than Richardson has. So um, Milton, I think, with a huge season, can be a, a high first-round uh, pick. He's got as good an arm as 
maybe that I've ever seen. Um, but I was worried about his accuracy, but he looked great against Clemson. And I think he's poised for a monster season. They've got their two top running backs uh, back. They lose Hyatt, but they've got uh, McCoy. They've got Keaton. They've got White uh, coming back. <clears throat> Heupel's offense is just uh, dynamite. Um and so, anyway, I, mar- I marked them 7-0 and with five swing games initially. Um, I, look, I, I think my Gators are going to suck. I, I've never had lower expectations in my lifetime. But Tennessee has lost nine games in a row at Florida in the Swamp. So, kind of like I was talking about, I can't just pencil in a W for Alabama when they're playing at Auburn. I sure as hell can't just automatically pencil in a W for Tennessee. I do think they win that game, and they are favored by 7 and a half. But I initially marked it a swing game. Um, look, they get two weeks to prepare for A&M at home, so that's good. So, I mean, I think Tennessee will be undefeated going into Alabama. But the thing is, if they lose that one, um, Kentucky's in a great spot the following week. Kentucky has two weeks to prepare. Tennessee will be coming off a rivalry game in natural letdown mode and – it's going to be a 60-minute physical football game with the Crimson Tide the week before. So I think that is a brutal spot for the Vols, and and I'm pretty high on Kentucky this year. I, I think Kentucky is going to beat them. So I think Tennessee will be 8-2 um, and two going in the Georgia game. But I think they might can beat Georgia. We'll, you know, we'll see how everybody is healthy. I mean, that's late November. Um, there's a lot of – uh, sprained ankles and torn ACLs between now and then. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and say Tennessee's going to win that game, but um, it's a game they certainly can win. And if they don't slip up at Kentucky, it'll probably be the de facto SEC East title game. Mm-hmm. So, um, and look, I'm not against putting a little Joe Milton small change at 25 to one to win the Heisman. Um, I think he's going to have a monster season. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the system is great. I just only worry about the defense, really, with Heupel. You know, it's uh, the question is, do they keep moving forward? And right now, uh, the momentum is going forward. So I'm not going to take any unders right now with Tennessee. I think that's a. What was your number on Joe Milton to win Heisman? Uh, it's twenty-five to one at Fanduel a couple of days ago. Okay, so that's. But that's, maybe, maybe, maybe you can get a better number. Shop around, obviously. Not a bad look at twenty-five to one at all. So let's hit Florida, and then for the sake of time, we can do like thirty seconds for the remaining teams. Now, Florida, obviously, your Gators, man. If you asked me three years ago when we were recording this podcast that if Graham Mertz was going to be wearing Florida Gator colors. I would have, if you would have bet me, I would have lost everything. I think it's the weirdest thing that I've seen happen. Uh, you and I have had many conversations about Graham Mertz uh, via text after his overrated uh, Patrick Mahomes tweet and all the, everything just spun out of control over there. And then he went from just amazing prospect to disappointment. And here he is with the Gators. You have the floor, my man. <laughs> Yeah, so Billy Napier has a losing season in year one, and then he spends the offseason convincing the fan base that Graham Mertz is the guy. And uh, it's just completely inconceivable, incomprehensible, and I'm beyond offended that uh, he did not do a better job. I wanted Devin Leary, who ends up going to Kentucky. I would have loved Hartman, but I, I think he was dead set on going to to Notre Dame. Apparently we were in the mix for Michael Pratt, but when Fritz decided not to go to Georgia tech 
and they had that you know great comeback win. He and they got some NLI money for him, uh, but I don't know why he turned down Austin Reed. Uh, who led the nation in passing yards in Western Kentucky last year. He entered the portal because he wanted to go to Florida. He was at West Florida before Western Kentucky. And apparently Napier and his staff didn't – like they didn't want him. They wanted Graham Mertz ahead of him. <laughs> Unbelievable. So uh, I'm really down on Billy Napier right now. He's doing a good job with the 24 uh, recruiting class. But um, <clears throat> just not impressed with anything he's done since he got to Florida really – uh, I think he's a good person. I, I think he recruits well, um, but I think his clock management—not necessarily because of last year. We did. I didn't. Now he, he tried to screw up the Utah game, <clears throat> and he did screw up the Tennessee game. We could have kicked the field goal in the last play to force overtime, but he went for two down eleven for no reason. Uh, and, and he, he points to his analytic BS. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, Florida's got their lowest win total ever. I've got their my lowest expectations ever. I've been going to the swamp uh, since '81 and re- have religiously followed this team and probably watched every single game uh, since '81. And um, I think we're going to absolutely suck. <laughs> oh, that's there. Are you taking the under? I couldn't quite get there, man, because there's some <laughs> coin flip games. But look here. I mean, it, it, we could go four and eight. Look, Arkansas has two weeks to prepare for the trip to the Swamp, and, and we're coming off the Georgia game. Um, we could easily lose at South Carolina, at Kentucky. We could lose to Tennessee at home. We could lose to FSU at home. I mean, we're more than a touchdown underdog in both of those games and games of the year. Um, we're 16 and a half at LSU. We, we rarely seem to win at Missouri. I mean, it could be. And look, what if Graham Mertz gets hurt early? Uh, we've only got three scholarship quarterbacks. One of them's never taken a snap. Just spent the whole spring playing baseball. Barely played in the spring game. And, and then I mean, Jack uh, Jack Miller started one uh, game, and we scored three points. So it, it's, it's inconceivable that this is the quarterback room situation for the Florida flipping Gators, and I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> I, I, I believe you, man. And I got to tell you, Graham Mertz looks good in practice, but he gets the yips now when it comes to the games. And I don't know if Billy Napier is the quarterback whisperer that can fix him, but there's no way I'm touching anything over on Florida complete way. See, but if the talent really comes through and he does change, you could be pleasantly surprised. One thing I forgot to say about Arkansas is they don't have a true home game for the conference play until October 21st against Mississippi State because that A&M game is on a neutral site. So that's interesting about Arkansas. They could be pretty beat up by the time they actually hit Florida. All right, we only got about a minute left. Anything you want to say about the remaining teams, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, or A&M? Um, I just think South Carolina and Kentucky are going to get great quarterback play. So I think they're going to be in play to beat anybody not named Georgia at, at any point in the season. Uh, Leary, 35 to 5 TDINT ratio with NC State two years ago. But when he got hurt last year, they'd only lost one game, and that was at Clemson. And I love Missouri's defense. I'm not so sure about their offense, mm-hmm. but I love Missouri's defense. And that, that might be a team where you look at some team totals by their opponents to stay under. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, and look, um, Vandy was pretty scrappy last year. Uh, they should be as good. So, you know, maybe they win five again. And uh, there you go. I, I, last thing on the East. The only team that I really think is down this year in the East is Florida. I think everybody else is either a, as usual or a little up. 
and certainly with South Carolina and Kentucky with the quarterback play, I think they could could have big seasons. We'll see. Yeah, I'm actually high on Vanderbilt too. I like AJ Swan. And I, I, I think Missouri can be very sneaky this year. You know, I think. Oh yeah. I like what they got going on. They were kind of sneaky last year, and you know their defense has really improved throughout the season. You know, um, I, I, Missouri not a big recruiting team. You know, not they used to be in the past, but uh, they did get a few transfers in there, and they returned like eight. Uh, defense, yeah, eight defenders. Jake Garcia is a transfer in at quarterback. Brady Cook is still there. If they can just take their quarterback situation, they got uh, a, a good receiver there and Luther Burton. I think Missouri is kind of a sneaky team to look at as well. But I took Vandy over just based upon their super easy non conference. You know, I mean, uh, I, I mean, obviously at Wake's going to be a little bit trouble, but they should win the other three games. It's only three and a half. You know, they they can steal one game against like a Kentucky at home or a Missouri possibly, or I put Auburn. They also get Auburn at home, so I think they can steal that one as well, my man. Anything else in the college football landscape? Uh, well, I was just going to add on to what you are saying about Missouri. They were kind of like Arkansas last year. I mean, they lost four one-possession games. You know, they, they, they should have won the Auburn game like five different times. They were leading leading against Georgia for three quarters. They should have beat my Gators. Florida got fortunate to win that one. Um and lost a four-point game to Kentucky. So we'll see on Mizzou's quarterback play. It's a big year for Drinkwitz. I wish they had not have lost Dominic Lovett. And by the way, George, not only is Georgia, you know, as good as they are, but they also go get Mississippi State's best receiver in Ra-Ra Thomas, and they go and get Missouri's best receiver in <laughs> Dominic Lovett. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, that is that is insane. Um, and, and that's tough, you know, losing – losing those type that caliber to Georgia, right? I mean, that's that's brutal. It's like, seriously, within the conference? Come on, guys. Brian, where could our listeners get your great information and plays for the 2023 college football season? Okay, so um, all my content's at MajorWager.com. I've got articles about how I'm betting the Bengals and the Eagles uh, in the preseason, and uh, I wrote big articles about Arkansas and Ole Miss over, which we already – uh, covered and they can find my picks at vegasinsider.com and they can hit me up on Twitter. You see the handle there at Vegas B Edwards Kiev. Thanks as always for having me. I hope these last few UFC pay-per-views have treated you as well as they've treated me. <laughs> I've been up and down the UFC, but uh, the big ones I've been hitting, uh, you got to look for those props, but uh, we'll have you back on soon to talk some UFC. Uh, I look forward to doing that. So check him out at Vegas B Edwards. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this show. Hope you win all your bets this weekend. Enjoy the games and go get some winners. <laughs>